Hello, Fort Worth, and welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people involved and engaged in local issues. Today, I am here with Amber Sosa, Christopher Rose, and Thomas Moore to discuss various local news stories uh, regarding things like the Butler Place Housing Project and the new developments there, the Tarrant County Water District corruption and the new developments there, uh, the new library location on the south side, Chris Nettles, some weed news, and then some listener-recommended stuff to cover as well. All of the resources, as in every episode, will be provided below in the show notes. And this podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.org. Feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional information that you would like us to cover. You can contact us at Twitter, uh, on, I'm sorry, on Twitter, at FW Review, and through our email, fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. And real quick, before we get started, I just want to apologize to our listeners for, for the delayed release of this episode. Normally, we try to release these on Monday morning, uh, but there were some uh, unforeseen circumstances we needed to address this week. So thank you for bearing with us. We do appreciate it, uh, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, morning, yeah. All right, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> so, uh, so the first story we're going to talk about today is now Fort Worth and other Tarrant County municipalities uh, have decided to stop arresting for minor marijuana and drug offenses, and they're just going to ticket you. And this is something that they've been able to do since it's, 2008, right? It is only marijuana okay so let's it's get that only out. marijuana let's get that out of the way real quick we don't want to we don't want to like get any listeners accidentally arrested the eligible charges include possession of marijuana less than two ounces possession of marijuana between two and four ounces possession of a controlled substance in penalty group 2a which is less marijuana than two k2 other spices there you go um <laughs> Possession of controlled substance in penalty group 2A between 2 and 4 ounces. So the same. Again, marijuana, K2, other spices. Criminal mischief in the amount of loss between $100 and $750. Which kind of like light property damage. Yeah. Uh, graffiti, if the amount of loss is between $100 and $2,500. And then theft, if the value stolen is between $100 and $750. So it's not that they're not prosecuting those things. Those things are still illegal. They're just right. not, they don't have to arrest you for these offenses if they don't want to. They can just ticket you. You still got to show yep. up to court. You still might get jail time depending on if you've got priors or whatever. Um, it's just like. So uh, what if I wanted to like go to the bank and like all the banks and steal all those pins on the little <laughs> chains? <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's. If do, you, it, do you think they cost up to $750 exactly. altogether? I will find out how much they cost and just take take as much as seven hundred forty nine dollars costs. <laughs> well, You'll still get ticketed. Yeah, but it let's make that clear. It's not okay. 
you will have to pay. Yeah. And then also I'll, like I'll it's it. it's basically like up to the property to tell the to tell law enforcement like what, what the, the value cost, was. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's not like they're gonna price match like what Amazon what the pins cost on Amazon, you know, like with how much like they paid So they could be like this like, pin costs five cents, but we're charging you five thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly. is already how the system was working in the first anyways. place. But I remember when, when that whole thing happened last summer. Right at uh, Tejas de Brazil. Was that? No, where was it? No, it was. It, was, it was at Hot Dotties. Hot Dotties. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that table was damaged like, for how much? $10,000 or something? It's something insane. Yeah. It, wasn't it was like a scratch on a table. Yeah, it, was it like, wasn't even on, that. Bro. It was like a like a light vent like on a wooden table surface. And, and yeah, they wood. were like. It, Most, yeah. Here's, here's my favorite part. Hot Dotties didn't even try to sue. That was the city. But most of the damage. Was like stuff that had been like wear and tear over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, that's how it goes, especially with wooden tables. So, so this, so this is happening in Fort Worth, in Azle, in Arlington, Haltom City, Dow Worthington Gardens, Everman, and Sampson Park. So, all these little smaller municipalities in Tarrant County are participating in it as well. But this is a law that's been around in the t- in the state of Texas since 2007. Yeah. And so like they could have been doing it all along. They could have been doing it all. Yeah. And so other places that have been doing it all along are places like Dallas, Harris County, which is Houston, Bayhar County, which is San Antonio, and Travis County, which is Austin. So this is interesting to me because like Fort Worth is always the odd man out compared to these other municipal like other counties, right? The other big major cities in Texas. I wonder why that could be. What's the major difference between Fort Worth and these other major cities well, no, in Texas? That's, that's 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 not what's interesting to me. <laughs> oh, okay. But that the fact that they're finally catching up with the rest of the cities, though. Like, what changed now? Is it Maddie Parker being, even though she's not mayor of Tarrant County? Is it because she's mo- a millennial? So she's not over Tarrant County. Um, but <laughs> she came through on our promises. Yeah, being that, a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> but she does. You know, she the city could have opted out of this. Like. She wanted to. Um, it, it was that I think it's primarily the decision of Sharon Wilson uh, in Fort Worth. And the, it's the district, district attorney district who attorney makes office. the call. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what changed in the district attorney's office to bring this about now? Why now and not four years ago? I think it's the cost. It's the cost of arresting yeah. people and the yeah. time that law enforcement wastes on arresting people and doing paperwork with people that you know, had like a gram of weed or whatever. So I totally agree. And I want it. Well, the thing that was really funny to me reading this article at the very end, they did an update uh, to kind of tell you what the police department said in response, because and you tell me if I'm wrong, maybe this is just my own interpretation. But based on what I read, uh, a lot of people got mad about this change of policy. And so Fort Worth sent a public statement that is it's not backtracking, but it's like trying to explain themselves and their reasoning to the mad citizens. But maybe again, maybe I just read that into this. You tell me. So what it says is, uh, let me just start. Where's the start of it? Uh, the Fort Worth Police Department sent out a release to address the questions in general, freaking out as follows. The safety and well-being of the citizens of Fort Worth is of the utmost importance to the Fort Worth Police Department. We are serious about taking violent offenders off the streets and keeping our communities safe. This message is to address questions we've received about Tarrant County's new site and release program. 
The Fort Worth PD is participating in Tarrant County's new site and release program, which provides officers with the option of issuing a citation for certain Class A and Class B offenses in lieu of making a custodial arrest. The site and release program in no way takes away an officer's ability to arrest an offender. The decision to make a custodial arrest or utilize the site and release program remains at the discretion of the investigating officer. Additionally, it does not prevent prosecution of offenses. It only provides another method through which a crime can be prosecuted. The site and release program only applies under certain criteria that includes specific, nonviolent, low-level offenses. This program does not apply to violent offenses. What the site and release program does is lessen the burdens on our officers by reducing the time spent on minor slash nonviolent offenses. This allows them to get back into service more quickly and better serve our citizens and spend more time addressing violent crime. It got me in a precarious position. Oh, yeah. Because I had to, I have to defend the Fort Worth PD. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm already getting a little sick of my mouth. Because <laughs> you know what this is, right? This is a whole bunch of people who probably, like, definitely had the opportunity to vote for, for Reagan and did and, like, bought into all the things to saying, you know, that, like, Oh, marijuana is a, is a gateway drug, and mm. reefer madness is real, and they're yeah. gonna they're gonna corrupt our youth. Yeah, I mean, this is I don't know. It's just catching up with the rest of the world, but I can see you're right. I think it is probably predominantly those people that are upset about this. I'm I'm happy yeah, I mean, about it. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're only behind 13 years. Yeah, like 85 years or like two years. But yeah, I mean, as yeah. far as the state like when it goes, comes to the police, yeah. like it's typically like we're about 85 years behind. Like what what the most progressive, you know, um, agencies are doing. But I mean, See, what I'm saying, good for them. Yeah, no, I'm happy for them. Yeah, I, I'm proud of <laughs> I'm proud of them. I mean, that's the thing. Like we, I'm proud of Sharon Wilson. I, I it was am really her too. Choice. I mean, it sucks because the bar's really low, right? Like that's this is all that is required to uh, for us to be proud of them. Right. to like do what you should have been doing all along anyways but it's still good yeah like, it's good you know we can't like we can't we should definitely take the wins when yeah. we get them and this is yeah, a them. minor win you know it doesn't decriminalize it doesn't change the system in any way but at the very least in any you know i guess huge way but this this is a big deal not getting arrested um is, is a start it's a yeah start. i mean what i think is like most interesting about it and what makes me like wonder like what like, I and what makes me know that it's like in no way like mo motivated by like actually like like trying to take on like you know common sense like like drug reform policies is is remember when like a few years ago whenever like cbd like suddenly got like super popular mm -hmm. or whatever like i believe still it is. was still sharon wilson who was like, like even though these like CBD shops like started popping up, like I think it was still Sharon Wilson who was DA at the time, like uh, was like, like we're still gonna like yeah. arrest you for C using CBD yeah. oil because it's made out of marijuana. Yeah, like, blah, like that. I remember like, seeing that people like a year, are like year and a half doing ago the reefer or, something. or yeah. whatever, like smoking dope. Well, like, <laughs> well, I mean back then it was. You know, she was probably under the impression that she was dealing with a much more conservative Fort Worth. I mean, we went from True. like what, like eight one to you know five four six three somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, she's got a lot more space now. So good, good, a great segue, Thomas. Thank you very much for that. That was that was perfect and beautiful. So <laughs> the next story that we're going to talk about is is uh, the the update on uh, Chris Nettles and like the first thing that he's kind of done as councilman. Uh, 
and got attention for it. He essentially was following through on a pledge that he made during his campaign, saying, hey, this is something I'm going to do if I get elected. And he did. And so he essentially addressed the um, the judge, David Hagerman, and the DA, Shannon Wilson, in regards to Aaron Dean, the officer who murdered a Tatiana Jefferson. And the fact that he still hasn't been charged or had a trial date, or I guess he's been charged, but has not had a trial date in over two years. And he's essentially calling calling them out and being like, hey, I'm representing the community. This We need to do something about this. So here, I'm just going to read from the article. This is from the Fort Worth Weekly. Um, and it's essentially calls for justice for Tatiana Jefferson have increasingly focused on the lack of a trial date for the man who murdered her nearly two years ago, former Fort Worth police officer Aaron Dean. Um, if Tarrant County Judge David Hagerman and D.A. Sharon Wilson were under any illusion that Dean's trial was not on the top of the minds of thousands of Fort Worthians, City Council member Chris Nettles used Monday morning to send a reminder. This is from actually a couple of weeks ago. It's the end of June. I send this letter to you today asking you to do what's right. Not just what's morally right, but lawfully right, read the statement from Nettles' office. We are approaching two years since Atatiana's murder, and the man indicted for her murder remains free. It is time for Aaron Dean to have his day in court. And he sent it through email, and then he also showed up uh, at the courthouse to, to meet the judge. And on the fifth floor, Judge Hagerman refused to see Nettles or send any staff member to formally accept the letter. What? The, yeah. Wow. So Nettles, the only interaction Nettles had with the court was with Hagerman's bailiff, and he stood around mm -hmm. and waited for about 30 minutes, and then after 30 minutes left for other appointments. Undaunted, the article says. Um, and I liked the addition of that word. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> Undaunted. He's like, I'll be back, but I'm not going to waste my time on you. Yeah. And so it, Nettles said in a statement, uh, I've been informed that the judge has received the email. We wanted to hand deliver the copy and maybe have a small conversation. I'm not against Sharon Wilson. I'm not against the judge. We respect them. The only thing we are asking for is a trial date. We support their office. We are just asking. I'm sorry. We're just speaking on behalf of the community. So what do you guys think of of this action? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's about time. And I'm I'm now, glad that he's yeah. like addressing it like so quickly because he just barely got elected. Yeah. Like Yeah. Look how easy it was for him, you know. Like most of the city council members, when you mention mention Atiana's name, they they roll their eyes. I know this because I've mentioned their name and they've I've seen them roll their eyes. Yeah. Look how quick it was for him to do this. Also, uh I'd like to point out that even though we had an opportunity for them to set a, a trial date the judge neglected to do so, even though he said he intended to, mm -hmm. uh, that didn't happen. Um, and I'm yeah. not too sure that wasn't on purpose. Yeah. I mean, like it's on the one hand, wonderful that Chris Nettles is so on top of this and that he, he jumped right on it. On the other hand, like he, there's this, this whole article is saying he asked, like the judge hasn't even listened or responded yet, you yeah. know, but like, nobody else asked yeah like mm -hmm. are you kidding me yeah right. like we haven't gotten even to the point of like somebody just like sending a meaningful email yeah, yeah it's like they just keep kicking the can like farther and farther down the road and i think that like i mean like what what was really shocking to me i think is like you know looking at um you know like the um god like like in Minneapolis, you know, like the George Floyd murder has like that that case has already been resolved. You yeah. know, like it it 
it, it in a lot of people in that area were wanting it to be resolved in even a shorter timeline than yeah. like what ended up mm -hmm. happening. Like this Tatiana Jefferson murder um, is like it's crazy that it hasn't even like received a, an initial trial date. Like that's I mean yeah. that I think shows like bad faith in my opinion, like on the part of yeah they're not trying um, to the district this. attorney's office. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. And yeah. it, I, to me, it's like, it's, uh, inspiring and, uh, you know, hopeful to see if this is what he did within the first couple of weeks in office. Like what else is he going to do during his two year term as opposed yeah. to, or compared to Kelly Allen Gray, who would have, you know, would have been there and has been there instead. Who like, was just kind of like, Oh, no trial yet. Okay. That's cool. You know, <laughs> I mean, and yeah, maybe that really, wasn't her, maybe that wasn't really how it was for her. Yeah, I mean, but I no, there no was idea, no advocacy but... in the, in the council. I mean, we could say, I don't know. I don't yeah. want to say that. And I don't want to give Anne's credit for something that she may or may hasn't done, but like if anybody was going to speak on it, it's, she would have been the only person. It would have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kelly Allen Gray is the reason we don't have the CCPD fund every two years instead of every 10. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. Right. Mm -hmm. She is, I think she might have, I know she had more money from, from the Fort Worth uh, POA than uh, Betsy Price did, but. Yeah, and I, I mean, don't. It was. Sorry. I didn't she was that. very pro police. Yeah, she was. And yeah, there was even those signs. We were over there off of Wichita, like a, a month during the election, whatever. There were signs saying the POA supported Kelly Allen Gray. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, well. That's fine. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Good job, Chris Nettles. Like he's already doing what he said he was gonna mm -hmm. do. Like, and I and really like what I like about this article and what I like about this action is like it really just kind of shows like like how much the um I guess like criminal justice officials here in Tarrant mm -hmm. County are like avoiding this <laughs> case. Like yeah. um, yep. you know, like it's like the judge like doesn't wanna set a date, like the DA like doesn't want to deal with it. Like they just wanted to try to make it go away. And that is so yeah. insulting to the community, to the family yep. of the victim. Um, and it's really obvious. I mean, it appears to be like really taking the side of, um, yep. you know, of, of the law of law enforcement, I yeah. guess like, and, and the people aren't going to stand for that anymore. Yeah. Well, and I also, I don't want to leave I'm, the implication or uh, that nobody's called for, this like certainly local organizations have certainly, certainly. the family has yeah um but as far as like someone in power in the city someone on the council uh this you know finally we've got someone who's gonna make a show of it and i wish this would have been covered by more outlets the, i mean thank the weekly is fantastic and they've just gotten better over the past few years as far as their coverage of this type of stuff i think yes yeah, um and so like they obviously did it and it, it, even though it happened a couple of weeks ago it's still up on their front page which, which i also think is great yeah. uh because we need we need this type of stuff covered as much as possible right but yeah the, uh, the culture in fort worth is changing but it's still unfortunately very much a uh good old boys club Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I'll have to double check this, uh, you know, because I forgot exactly what the statute of limitations is. If Aaron Dean doesn't get a trial over a certain amount of time, I think they have to throw it out, which I think mm -hmm. might be the goal. What, the, what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we, we yeah, it would be that. like an infringement on his due process. Yep. I don't know if they could, I don't know if they would like throw it out throw it out but it could it would make it a lot easier to dismiss. Right. Is that yeah? I mean, yeah. unless there's a specific rule for police officers, I don't think that there is a statute of limitations for murder or manslaughter or whatever 
they're trying to call it. Well, it wouldn't be as much like a statute of limitations. It would be um, like, you know, since he would basically be the defendant, um, the court system didn't give him his right to a speedy trial, which is an infringement on his constitutional rights. And there are murder cases like such as this, not such as this, um, you know, because he's a law enforcement officer. So it's a little bit different. But um, there are people who you know, are, you know, the alleged guilty party who are able to, you know, get away with various crimes in the system, even if it is, um, you know, like a higher, like, prosecutable, a a more prosecutable offense such as murder that are able to get their cases dismissed because the court essentially messed up. Um, Yeah, mistake. Yeah. But I know that's interesting. We should look into the technical um, legalities of that and, and follow up on that later because I... I suspect yeah. that is, you know, possibly. Yeah. So in some motivated. cases, there is no maximum amount of time. But in other cases, uh, there's an eight-month period. And then something called the balancing test formulated by Barker is applied to establish whether or not, you know, this person's getting a speedy trial. Hmm. So I'll have to investigate that. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll loop back. So the next story we're going to hit is a, is another quick one. This one... Uh, is I just I just thought it was cool. Uh, I don't know. It, to me, it's significant. I don't want to downplay its significance. It's it's about the library. <laughs> it's about the Fort Worth Library, and our our library system here in Fort Worth isn't isn't great. Um, I mean, you can I don't know. I I love I love the library like so much, but it's we just need a lot of work here. I was I was I need I, on a slightly off topic. Like I need to get some old footage. Uh, digitized. Like I have some old tapes, some DV tapes, and like high eight, eight millimeter stuff. Um, and I was talking to a buddy about, about that who lives in Denton, and he's like, "Oh, you can just go to the library, and they just do that for free. Like you can just do that." And I was like, "What?" Um, but that's the Denton Library, <laughs> and apparently that's the the Arlington Library too. But here in Fort Worth, we don't have any any of those services. Uh, and so like in, anytime there's an improvement uh, in our system or something that's a, a nice step forward, I think it's 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 good to cover. Um, our libraries do need more support and more coverage. So the seminary location over on the south side of town uh, is being relocated into the Grand Plaza. Uh, and if you don't know, if you're maybe on a different side of Fort Worth, not in the center or south side, uh, it's the old town center mall on 35 uh, right at, at seminary. And it it's now La Grand Plaza. It's been called that for maybe a decade now. And it's packed all the time. It's super busy. There's a, you know, it's a, it's a predominantly Latino mall, but it's, it's a bump in place. A lot of my students just go there to hang out because right. High school kids go hang out at malls. Um, well, that's where they're moving the library to. Uh, and so they're, they're getting a slightly smaller space, but they're getting the space out front of the library that they can use to do stuff and to showcase things. They also have access to the stage. Uh, in the middle of the mall that they can do certain events at and for and stuff. But they're trying to make it a whole family-oriented sort of thing, and there's a lot of families that go to the mall. Um, and so they're expecting this to, like, kind of double their, like, exposure to the community, um, which I think is great. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, what do y'all think? What do y'all think of this? I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah. super cool. Yeah, I like the idea. Because, like, I mean, the like, Grand Plaza is, like, I mean, it really is kind of like the the center of the community over here. It's really close to like the biggest Fiesta grocery store in the city as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is all, I mean, like you said, like La Grand Plaza is always packed um, and always busy. And so I think like the idea of moving 
the library into like um I, I don't want to say like a more like retail type, like making it more of like a retail store. Like yeah. Um like I like I think that is like a little bit strange, but like what is really unique about like Graham Plaza is that it is more than just like a retail place. Yeah. Like like the feel of the mall is not like it's not like going to the parks mall. You know, like it, yeah. it is really like a kind of like a community center. Yeah. Um Yeah. A lot so, of stuff and I think there. a lot of the like Fort Worth libraries specifically, like they're not inaccessible, but they're all kind of in not like yeah. pedestrian places, you know, like if you yeah. have a car, then like, you know, you can yeah. like they're they're, you know, just right down the road. But like um, it's just places that people are less unless you're going to the library, you know, yeah. and so just like having it, you know, if you're already at the mall, you drop in the, the library like then library becomes, you know, yeah. more a part of your life, you know, and you, and it becomes more accessible and you realize all the, all the things that they do offer. Exactly. And there are plenty of services that, like that. that they do offer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so like while we're in the library, like I have a library story, like I'll just keep it kind of brief, but like, like, so, you know, I have, was in summer classes that just ended this last week and like have been waiting the entire freaking pandemic for the freaking downtown library to like open back up so I can go downtown and like get some work done as like a grad student. Bars um, opened in like September, but the library mm -hmm. stayed closed like forever and ever. Um, And so like it finally opened up and like we were going downtown anyways. And I was like, oh, finally, like library has been open. I haven't been to the downtown location. I'm going to go there today. And spend like seven hours at the library, like trying to, you know, finish my final projects. That sounds um, so fun. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like really excited about it. I went to the downtown library and you guys like they have closed the entire bottom floor for everyone. And that's like where all like the vast majority of the books are. That's where all of the workspaces are. Um, it's closed. Like nobody can go down there. I don't know if maybe it flooded and like they're needing to replace like the carpet. Like I don't. I don't like when I talked to the the librarian about why it was closed. Like she just said that they needed to replace the carpet. And until they decided what they want to do with that space, um, it's gonna be closed. And so like they have like an area where you can like rent some DVDs if you want to. There's like a few books and they have like the children's location. Nobody's allowed in the children's side except unless you have a kid. And then they have like some tall tables like up top, like where they used to do little, um, like almost like little like like featured like shows or whatever. Yeah, little little ex exhibitions. exhibitions. Yeah, and they have a computer lab, but you can only use the computer lab if you have a computer card, and you can only use it for up to one hour at a time. And like what I found to be craziest is that like the majority of people at the library are unhoused individuals who are hanging out in downtown Fort Worth and so like the vibe that I was really getting um in the in the librarian told me like they're trying to make it to where it's not a place where you want to like spend a lot of time like we want to they're like trying to keep it like in and out like you know you can order your books online they'll bundle your books for you. You come by, pick them up, and then you leave. Like, they don't really want people hanging out at in the, library, the library. Which is the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of the point of the library. Like, exactly. the best part of the library is walking through the stacks of books 
you're looking for something, but then you come across 50 other books that are on the same topic that you didn't even know were there yeah. or whatever, or just like perusing the stuff or just sitting at the table doing work or just like the library is supposed to be a space that you occupy and, and use. It's a public <laughs> space. But, yeah. But because you know, homelessness. Let me, yeah. Yeah. Let me make sure I get this right. They've had over a year, no one in there, and they still haven't renovated the carpet. Well, see, I don't know when the I don't know what the real issue of the yeah. carpet is. Like, I don't know if maybe yeah. a pipe burst or like during like it just happened. The snowmageddon, you know, like maybe that's why the carpet is messed up. But yeah. I honestly like the, I don't fully understand the situation. And if you've never been to the, the downtown thing, it makes me sad. But yeah, it's not surprising. Well, yeah, but like the thing is, is like in the city, like I mean, like making the library like a place that's uncomfortable for people to be like just because you don't want homeless people hanging out there to me is like really crazy and like there wouldn't be homeless people having to hang out there if we were doing a better job of addressing homelessness in this city you know like Mm -hmm. and if there were other places that you were allowed to be in public that you didn't have to like pay to be there you know like the only other option for me was to go to starbucks where I have to buy a drink to be able to hang out there comfortably, you know, and not feel paranoid about getting kicked out. And, like, when when Starbucks is the, like, primary, like, equivalent of, like, public, quote, public space, or is when Starbucks is serving the function of, like, public space, like, more so than the freaking library is, like, that's where, you know, like, we're having, like, some really serious issues in the city, like, in my opinion, like... Like, that's a problem. And here, here's the thing. The homeless problem does not need to be as bad as it was. We had COVID funds we could have used for that. Mm-hmm. Betsy Price and Carrie Moon went and cut the money they were going to use for, for homeless renovations in half last year. Mm-hmm. The only one who voted against this or really put any pushback was Ann Zadie. And the only reason she voted for it was because she wanted at least something for them. Because they were like, either this happens or we're not mm-hmm. giving them any any aid whatsoever. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm concerned about the state of, I mean, of the downtown library. Yeah. So, I mean, homelessness is going to be something that's going to continue to come back up on this show when we haven't done a yeah. full episode on it. I'm sure we will pretty soon. Um, but that is a problem that's just gotten worse over the past 10 years. And it's not going to get better anytime soon. That's not unique to Fort Worth. This is, this is a nationwide thing. Yeah. Um, Dallas, but, this is bad. Dallas is worse, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it, every municipality is handling this thing differently. And some... Some a lot better than others, and we're not we're not doing great. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm glad that this is going to be in a you know it sucks that it's a commercial sort of space where it's like oh you got to go to the mall to go to the library, but yeah. it's at least it's meeting people where they're at rather than be, like you're you're like you're saying Rose like where the library is like all off by itself and you got to like make a special trip to go to it. Like well at least it's where there's other stuff. You have to go to the grocery store, or go to, you know get some shoes or something. So I don't know. Yeah. So that's so that's cool. Uh, we'll keep an eye on on the libraries for you guys too. Uh, so these next three stories, the last thing, and this we're gonna we're gonna probably spend a little more time on these uh, for the rest of the podcast. We're gonna first hit the Butler Place housing development uh, and the news that's been happening there. After that, we're gonna talk about the Tarrant County Water District controversy, more controversy to the controversy, and then and in then, the water cartel. Yeah, in the water. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But then also we had a listener uh tweet us over the week or throughout the week uh who sent us a story as well that we're going to talk about regarding the border wall and water conservation so i guess we'll start up with first um the butler place story 
what have y'all are are y'all aware of Butler Place? Have y'all seen it? Have y'all been there? And I haven't yeah. actually been there. No, I've been there. Um, I've been there a few times. Um, but you guys like were we were all at um remember that first city council meeting um after you know like the protests had been going on where they were gonna like quote like address the 13 point agenda um Mm -hmm. and like that was like at the end of the city council meeting or like the city council work session rather um and so like one of the first earlier presentations that they had done was um talking about like you know um the the butler place like housing projects or you know quote unquote housing projects um in fort worth and how they had been like moving everyone out and like the it, it was really a proposal to like make the housing projects into a museum um a, a you know basically like a black history museum for fort worth um and they gave like a presentation on like what that would look like and and yeah. whatever i'm gonna assume based on this article that the presentation or was was not existing. that's not that's not really talk. I mean, it's possible, but that's not what people are really thinking or wanting to do with it. So I'm just going to describe real quick for those listeners who maybe don't know. And it's okay if you don't know where it is, because this is kind of a part of Fort Worth. We were like, just what we were talking about a second ago with the libraries where it's isolated. This, the Butler place is isolated from the city. It's nudged up right next to it. And you probably drive by it maybe every day and just don't notice it. It's right off of 35, like in between uh, 287, 35 West and 30. Yeah, it's like like underneath the highways, basically. Yeah, like, and you can kind of see it depending on what, like if you're on 287, you can see it. I don't, it you can't really see it from 30, but you can kind of see it from 35. It's these little houses, these little red houses. It's they're not apartments. They're apartments, but I mean, like a lot of times when people think of projects, at least maybe when I did when I was younger, are these huge, big skyscrapers, like 30, 40 story buildings or whatever that are kind of off in their own section of town. And that's not what this is. This is a more of a, a small apartment. It's kind of like what you said. But this was a public works administration project that was part of the New Deal under Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, you know, it was opened in 1940 to 250 families and has been unoccupied as of December of last year. Uh, they finally moved the last families out of it. So that's what they're trying to figure out. Like, okay, well, what are we going to do with this space? And so now I'm going to read a little bit from the article, which is from the Fort Worth Report, which, by the way, Fort Worth Report is a fantastic publication. It's kind of like a investigative journalism outlet for Fort Worth. Um, and so this story and the next one actually are both from that publication. So I recommend kind of checking them out. They've been doing good work. Um, so here's the deal. Like there's, I'll, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about it. From next generation transportation technology to corporate relocations and mixed use development, urban planners and city officials are plotting the future land use of Butler Place with hopes of bringing lasting economic impact to the area. Oh, what a shocker that that's what they were thinking about. Right now, (laughs) there are no taxes being collected from this public housing. Now, all of a sudden, you got this multi-million dollar development, says Michael Morris, director of the transportation for the North Central Texas Council of Governments. Yeah, it's in our best interest to have it as big as possible. So when he says our, he doesn't mean the city of Fort Worth's best interest or the citizens of Fort Worth. He means it's in the North Central Texas Council of Government's best interest to have this development. Choose yeah. violence. Box his ears. <laughs> so I just, I, I, the, the, I believe, and Amber, tell me, I, I could be wrong about this. Amber and I went to some transportation meeting 
a year and a half ago or two years ago. And I believe it was a North Central yeah, Texas Council of it Governments was. meeting. Yeah, I think Kelly Allen Gray is actually like now like on over this, on, not over it, but she's like a member of it. Yeah. So essentially what this was, was a bunch of is municipalities she still on it, even though she's not in the in a. On the council, council she, anymore? She I, I'm pretty maybe. sure because she had just been like selected as a as a part of as part of it, and I don't think you have to technically be like a sitting like council person to be on it. I think that just gotcha. kind of helped her get onto gotcha. it. And so this the this council of governments is essentially like 40 plus. I don't remember the exact number. 42, 43 municipalities in the DFW area. So it's like you know like. Addison and Arlington and Fort Worth and yeah. Kennedale. Yeah, it's, it's North it's Texas. Just, yeah, North Texas. Yeah. It's not everyone, but it's this, you know, this gr this group of, of main ones, I guess you could say. And they all kind of collaborate and decide what to do with regards to like transportation. So like having roads or highways like connect to these places. Well, that, that particular meeting was about transportation, but that's just yeah. one aspect and that's of just, what they do. Yeah, exactly. That's just the director of transportation. They've got other yeah, they have other like they have they other do. little projects and areas that they focus on. But that's on. the guy who's talking here, and he's re referring to this project. And I guess it's this council of governments that's deciding what to do with this project. So it's it's a federal thing. This was created by the federal government in the 1940s. So there are certain restrictions that of like on things that they can choose to do with this, which it seems to be kind of like why they haven't made a decision yet on what to do. Well, with and this. it's also like technically like a like a protected class of land right because it's like yeah. a like a historic so um area yeah i'll read it right here the butler place accommodates 25 buildings listed in the national register of historic places yeah. uh, some are interested in preserving the site's history but no decision has been made about what to preserve a federal restriction unless removed which makes it sound like it's you know they could remove it if they wanted to um also limits the scope of any redevelopment project and so it's currently owned by fort worth housing solutions uh, and they're recognizing that it's a huge asset and they want to make sure that it's used to the best of its potential, but they don't know what it will be. Well, I think turn I think, it into a homeless shelter. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's a housing. Use it for housing. We need housing. Right. Like, mm -hmm. but I guess they're saying maybe it's too old. Well, or it's going to cost too much to renovate or repair. I mean, I think that's like the argument, like uh, uh, against using it for housing. Um, I don't re I don't really know. like like why they decided to close it down and move everyone out. I mean, I know there were there were issues with the building. Um, it actually has like a community center on the property. And I've been to the community center part. I've never been in any of the actual units. Um, but it has like, I mean, it looks like an old school. It has like a little stage with like, you know, like flags on the right side. It's got like the red curtain area. Yeah. Like, and I think it even has like a, like a dining area. Um, and so like it would be really cool to like restore it and use it for affordable housing. And the fact that it's owned by Fort Worth Housing Solutions, I think if I'm not mistaken and I could be wrong, but I believe that is like basically like a branch of of HUD. Um, and since it's like mm -hmm. federal property, mm -hmm. I think it means it's technically owned by owned by gotcha. HUD. Um, but like what makes me building. upset about it is that like when you look at it, it's like the old school, like red bricks, you know, like. It it looks cool, like to me, yeah. and I think you know, like just from like an architectural standpoint or whatever, like it is like the exactly the kind of building that you know, like some big investor would like love to buy and make it into some yeah. trendy, you know, retail like yeah. hipster type, like like a brewery, you know, like yeah. make it into something like that. But like, um, but yeah, I don't know. Honestly. 
Mm-hmm. With 25 buildings, you could make enough housing for the homeless and still have your little brewery. Yeah, that's Matter true. Of so, fact, right. you, could use the fund, you could use some of the funds from that to fund the housing shelter. But the whole point of gentrification, though, is to get rid of the poor people, though, so right? Here, so, like, that's no, not going to work. That's true. But here, but actually, though, so here, I, I kind of go back a sec. I said a minute oh, ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. They have forgotten. They have souls. I, of all people, should have known this. <laughs> so I know I said a second ago, use it for housing. Um, but I'm actually going to go back on that because there's there's a reason why it failed as a housing development. And it's not unique to Butler Place. This is the housing development philosophy that w- took the country essentially nationwide in early in the 20th century, also continued throughout the 1950s. And that is this concept of having public housing being separate from everything else. And so, you know, we can look at places like Chicago or Baltimore or whatever, and you ha- you do have these big skyscraper housing projects that are just completely separated from the rest of the city. So you have this sort of thing like we were talking about with the library earlier. where like, you don't go over there because there's no reason to go over there because there's nothing mm-hmm. over there. And so when there's nothing over there and people don't go over there, that's when you end up having dangerous crime sort of situations because no one's watching. And, and, and then you have, you know, the underfunding of the whole thing as well, where you don't actually make the facilities nice. You don't actually give them good, you know, equipment or facilities or, or, or architecture or whatever. Right. So there's that part of it, too. But I mean, there's it's geographically not connected to the city. Uh, and so let me see if I can find that in the article. They kind of talk about how. It's, it's, all, it's hard to get to. I, I got yeah. every time the two times I've been there, like I, I got kind of lost, like trying to get into it. And so um, they're talking about wanting to make it connectable and like add cool stuff to tie it to downtown. Yeah, like big walkways and, and stuff. Yeah. Like connecting as the article said, like West 7th to downtown to. Yeah. Butler Place. Yeah. Which is the opposite of, you know, other side of town from West 7th. It's on the other side of 35. But that would, I mean, in theory, that would be cool. And so it's like, it does kind of beg the question, if we can't use this land for housing because it doesn't function for housing the way the city is set up currently, then what do we do with it? Uh, and so it, it kind of, I found the spot you were talking about. Uh, it says, we'll blend it, blur it. <laughs> I don't like the word blur. We'll blur it into downtown Fort Worth, Morris says. Maybe make a really wide structure that has electric vehicles on it. We'll do wide sidewalks, bike paths. So you're connecting basically 7th Street downtown into this seamless connection. And by then providing transportation, this is the part that made me sick. By providing transportation, he added, we can increase the value of that economic development for the best interest of bringing an Amazon or bringing Google or someone who would love to <laughs> yeah. come to Fort Worth and need all that land. <laughs> Is this the guy whose ears I wanted to box or <laughs> Yeah, same guy. Same guy. Michael okay, Moore. So does he realize that blurring into downtown is gonna go through the like underpass or like, you know, under the overpass mm-hmm, like area of Lancaster that he probably, you know, closes his eyes when he drives through? Yeah. Like, he probably does. He like just does he realize that we're going to point. have to address homelessness and and poverty in in fort worth if yeah. we're gonna do that if we do this the homeless will just go away and it'll be is, some other city's problem yeah is he just gonna like put a bunch of spikes there and be like oh, oh yeah. where, where are you gonna go now this is the walkway like have you seen a lot of hostile architecture here in fort worth ugh. yeah i actually haven't seen compared to some other cities Not, i've seen some pretty bad stuff it doesn't seem like I've, we've spent the money on it yet yeah i haven't the worst things that i've seen have not been in fort worth 
but that is our, you know, it's on brand for the city of Fort Worth. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something they try to pull. Well, know, I mean, yeah, because I mean, you have to either address the root of the mm-hmm. of the issue with like people camping under the highways, or you have to drive them away. Mm-hmm. You know, like. <laughs> well, we also have to consider, like, I mean, suppose that like Google or Amazon did buy up that property and and you know open a branch of you know, their corporate offices here or, or whatever, and like turned it into like a tech campus. Like what are the implications of that? Like for the city long-term, you know, because like a lot of the cities that have like huge income inequality that just like keeps growing, growing like San Francisco. Um, I, I think Austin is mm-hmm. well on its way mm-hmm. to being like in that, in that category. It's because they, they bring in a lot of like big company, big tech companies, um, that, you know, like where people are making like way more money than like the vast majority of the people that are mm-hmm. living here. It like drives up the prices of everything. Um, it like makes the value of, of like regular houses, like ours in the city, mm-hmm. like a lot higher, like increasing property taxes. And it, you know, like it, it, it contributes to income inequality like yeah. within the city but it know? creates jobs though yeah it creates jobs for like 200 people but it doesn't cool. create jobs for like people in the city it just yeah. relocates like really wealthy people Great there point. i mean i'm not going to say it doesn't recreate yeah. it that it creates zero jobs but like i yeah. mean that essentially like i mean that those issues like you know like when you think about like systems and you think about fort worth and our community like as a system yeah. that interacts with with government and with the corporations here you know like it it has other implications and yep. in some ways yep. may be contributing to the homeless issue. Oh, you know? for sure. For also, sure. speaking on creating jobs, I was reading something the other day. Uh, Fort Worth is basically, even though like it's a marquee city, it's basically being used as a suburb. In other words, you have more people who like live in Fort Worth and go to Dallas and then commute to like Dallas or somewhere mm-hmm. to work and then come back. Mm-hmm. I did that, that for means- a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and My that means their their tax revenue is down, which is probably one of the other reasons they're trying to get these businesses here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not going to really solve your problems long term. And that's the whole thing. Like the 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 argument for having a big company like that come to your city would be the tax revenue. Oh, well, there's going to be this multi-billion dollar company. Some, some percentage of that is going to come to the city because they're going to be taxed. Except here, we're all about cutting as many taxes as possible on the corporations and not not actually having them pay. So rather than having the people with billions or trillions of dollars pay a, a small percentage of that large sum of money, we're making us citizens pay, you know, a, a larger percentage through property taxes and whatever of, of whatever we've got, which is significantly smaller in value than, you know, like Amazon. I, I, I saw a few too many middle class people with, with slightly, you know, more than new new cars driving around. And a yeah. few of them actually look like they owned their homes. We got to do something about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much their their mindset. And at the same time, you see people like out on the streets, like panhandling, who are obviously like newly homeless, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, like there's people that I see in our neighborhood that like our faces that have been here the entire time that we've been living here. But like I see a lot of people that are obviously, you know, like their clothes are still really nice and they still match, you know, like your backpack is in pretty good condition and they're obviously like newly homeless, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's just going to continue to happen. Like that's not, yeah. that's not going to decrease real quick before we move on to the next one. I just, I want to throw out that they're, and they don't really mention this very much in the article, but they just state in 2017, there was a planning study that took place that was looking at Butler place as an option for a potential station location 
for high-speed rail alignment. Um, so that's a very different type of thing that it could be used for. That is a public utility, you know, or a public service, or whatever. If we, I mean, I would love for us to have high-speed rails here in Fort Worth. Yeah. Uh, is that? Do I think that's going to happen anytime soon? Like, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> like one. So I read this article like for one of my classes um, that was on like green criminology, and like it like shed some light on like the high-speed rail situation like here in the U.S. Yeah. That like I hadn't previously considered, but like what the, apparently like the main reason that like we don't have high speed rail is because of the fossil fuel lobby. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. like that would mean like less people would like actually be driving, driving cars, cars and yeah. and you know depending on on their dying industry and so like like I think that like with Fort Worth like being home to so many um like petroleum and you know oil companies that I would be shocked if like yeah. we were the ones of all the areas and. You yeah. know, North Texas well, that, like, had high-speed rail. Absolutely. I mean, they've been trying to get that one from Houston to Dallas built for, like, a decade now. What? And they yeah, keep, like keep getting it blocked and stopped by the state government because they don't want... Yeah, yeah because the, fuel money, the yeah. fossil fuel money people come in and they're like, we're going to pay you lots of money if you vote against this so that we yeah. can keep everybody dependent on fossil fuels. Yeah, and so if you don't know, if the listener doesn't know, um, the rest of the world has been using high-speed rail for a long time. Like 20 years. Uh, I mean, you can look at places like Japan. You can look at places like Korea. You can look at Europe. Um, and they're, yeah, they're, it's it's a thing that people use. It's it's pretty, uh, you know, low. Efficient. Uh, pretty efficient. That's the word. Thank you. Uh, we're just kind of, you know, stuck in the 20th century over here, burning all of our gas and stuff to, yeah. to, to drive a truck to Denver or whatever, rather than taking an hour and a half train or something. Um, yeah. And we could be, and this just goes back to the same argument over and over again. We just want nice things that other countries have. Yeah, we just want to have <laughs> cool shit like everybody else. Like, is that too much to ask for? Like, I don't think so. But we yeah. still want to, you know, not be socialists. And, you know, I mean, yeah, but that's the lame free media. We still so, hang on to our fear, guys. Thomas, Come on. Uh, you're so good. You're so good today, buddy. Another perfect segue <laughs> into our next. <laughs> so This is why they keep me around, guys. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've got a lot of corruption, right? Um, that's kind of why a lot of this is going on. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the Tarrant County Water Board District. <laughs> A.K.A. Yay. the Water Cartel. The Water Cartel. Oh, man. Does anyone want to feel like do a recap of like what <laughs> happened up to now before this new crazy story in regards to this, like the Tar Tarrant County the Trinity River Mission Project. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I can talk about that. Um, so I don't know if you guys knew or not, but um, basically, like the city of Fort Worth and like I guess the Tarrant County Water Board um, decided, you know what, we should spend money on, we should reroute the Trinity River so that we can create the I, I guess the Panther Island Pavilion, and which is cool. Don't get me wrong, you know, um, but like. It would be a really good idea to reroute part of the Trinity River so we can, you know, do something different with the land over there. Um, and, and also make a lot of money off of the yeah. government handouts that it's going to cost us. Yeah. So um, Kay Granger's son, I believe, is like on the board. Um, and there is like several. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. So convenient. And so there is like this big issue because they actually did start rerouting 
rerouting the Trinity River and they used the Army Corps of Engineers like they made it a special project. They came out and like surveyed the land and like they all did it. They did it, you know, under the guise of like controlling the floodplains. Yes. And that was the whole thing is like that Fort Worth or at least that branch of the Trinity River is at huge risk of flooding downtown, you know, having like a Houston Hurricane Harvey type situation and um, they should reroute the Trinity River to keep everybody safe. But also because they wanted to do the Panther Island Pavilion. They want to make it kind of like the 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 river walk down in San Antonio. They want yeah. to have like a river district. Right. Like a bunch of nightlife. And where to bring in a lot of retail, yeah. you know, of course, like economic growth, right, um, is like one of the main one of the main goals here. Money. Um, but they weren't saying that. They were saying that they wanted to save everybody from floods. So... They started the project. They took the money. I believe there was some issue like where the first time around, because I think it was a project like where the funding had to be renewed like annually or like semi-annually or something like that. And not semi-annually, but like maybe every like two years or something. And so they got the money the first time around. And if I'm not mistaken, there were like some really serious like misappropriations of the funds. Yes. And whenever they reapplied, they just kind of, like rather than like going through like the formal bureaucratic process, which you always have to do if you want government money, you have to follow, you know, the line by line guides and cross all your T's and dot all of your I's or you're not going to get that money. Plus, like federal money is always on a string anyway. So even if you do get it, you really have to follow what you have to manage it accurately um, and appropriately and ethically, um, presumably. And so they had gotten the money the first time around wanted to reapply but we're like you know we already got the money first time around and you know like we're good they the the government knows we're good for it they know we're good for it so like you know we're just gonna drag our feet on like reapplying for it and they didn't get the money in 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 time and they did not get the renewed funding no. the second time I believe time it around. was they had certain things they needed to fix. Like it was like the Army Corps of Engineers was like, hey we're concerned about X, Y, and Z. You guys need to address that before we give you the rest of the money. Yeah. And they never did. And the, But they had already spent the money too. Yes. Like they had already like allocated it for things like under the presumption that they were either going to get the, either the second half the money or um, or like yes. reapply for whatever funding it was. Um, and they just kind of were like dicking around like, like whatever. We don't have to do what they say. Um, and it was like this big scandal. And then I think it came out that like Kay Granger's son had like misappropriated like a good portion of the funds. Yep. Um and that wait, had wait, wait, wait. Is this do. the whole Panther Project fiasco yeah. yes. or is this yeah. a whole other they, well they were calling oh. it the Trinity River Vision Project. And so it really yes, sucks it's, the, that it's that is that basically they like started construction like because part of it was like through like a residential neighborhood. And so they had like started all this construction and like made all these detours like for these people's neighborhood and um that started and then the project was never finished or has yet to be finished and so all this time there's like this residential neighborhood where all these residents are like really pissed because they're like they're you know like right across the street from their house is like all of this like unfinished construction and it's like kind of made it there are a lot. I mean, every we all know what it's like when you have construction going on in your neighborhood. It sucks, you know. Yeah, and if you've driven through over there off of White Settlement Road, um, and uh, what's the name of the other street? Henderson, 
right? Is it Henderson? Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, like yeah, all, yeah. Yeah. Over there by the Mexican Inn and stuff. Like it's been, it's been under construction for forever. A long time. <laughs> like, yeah. Those, those bridges pieces. It's been sitting there for like years. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's this. That's all this. That's, that's all, this, all stuff. this Trinity River Vision Project. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, Green, your son is getting paid, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. And I so guess. that was the thing people were thinking, you know, me included, that this was going to hurt her election chances for the congressional seat, you know, well, in and November. And it didn't. I want to yeah. say that, like, the, when the story came out, like, two or three years ago, like, there was, like, some speculation that, like, Betsy was in on it or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And she still got reelected anyways, you know, but, like and, that yeah. last time around. And so, I don't know. There was that split, though, between Kay Granger backed Brian Bird. Kay Granger did not back uh, Maddie. Maddie, thank you. So, I don't know. Whatever that's worth. That's, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting divide there on the Republican side. So, anyway, so that's all the precursor. So that's what happened before. <laughs> that's all before. <laughs> so, the Fort Worth... Uh, report uh, did a like information request and they were able to come across some information, some finance stuff in regards to really shady corruption of paying off different members of the board. So I'm just going to I'm going to read from the article. The article is titled Tarrant Water District Board Members Question Law Firm's Advice. Well, and so before we get into that, like so like the Trinity River Vision Project corruption is just like one piece of the corruption that's going on with the Tarrant County Tarrant, what what was the name of the board? Tarrant Regional Water District. Yeah, so like this is just like one piece of corruption. So like a lot of this stuff of the story is actually separate corruption. Just to be clear to mm -hmm. the audience. Yeah. So this uh, Tarrant Regional Water District board has had a certain law firm just kind of like represent them and do their filing and stuff for them for a while now. The name of the firm's Pope Hardwick Christie Shell Kelly and Taplet, and the. The kerfuffle is essentially like now they are having that uh, law firm stop handling its public records requests. They don't want. And so the reason is there's a new board member who was elected and she is essentially saying, um, what's her name? Mary Kelliner. She said the law firm had become a party to a matter of controversy involving the TRWD in which the public and the press have a natural curiosity, kind of all the stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, and she says it seems inappropriate for Pope Hardwick to continue to serve in the role of evaluating open records requests, some of which may relate to information regarding the controversy in which Pope Hardwick is involved and determining which requests should not me immediately be honored. So it's this firm is under investigation, essentially, because the Tarrant County Tarrant Regional Water District Board is under investigation. And so, like, it, you, when you make these requests for the information, it's this law firm that is kind of, like, gatekeeping whether or not they Like, whether they should the release the information or not. When they're, yeah. you know, they're, culpable, perhaps, right. based on the information. <laughs> so there's this guy, Jim Oliver, who was the, a, a retiring general manager, uh, and he's been there for 35 years. So that's another example of corruption. This dude's been on the board for 35 years. Um, he's stepping down, and essentially, I'm going to try to wrap it up without reading, like, everything in the article. Uh, they had the board had improperly authorized a payment of three hundred thousand dollars to this guy. Well, and he was asked to step down, like because I think because of his relationship with the law firm, and like I mean, he they, he wasn't just like I'm, I'm gonna, gonna step down. Yeah. Like he was asked to resign, and he agreed to do it. But he also got this like huge payout of like three hundred thousand dollars that was. I guess made by another board member, but like Not without the getting the board approval for it. And so immediately like the board was like, 
hey, give us that money back. Um, and so yeah. and so I think they did get some of it back and have like put it on hold. But like basically like they let Oliver, like who is the corrupt guy that's leaving, like pick his uh, successor. successor. And then there seemed to be like some shadiness going on between between that relationship as well. And the successor getting some money. J.D. Granger also received about $60,000 from unauthorized. So it's essentially the way this works is the guy, the head of the board, just sends out an email to like payroll. And is like, hey, uh, give this guy the value of 128 hours of extra paid off time or vacation time or whatever. Uh, And so that just ends up adding up to like $300,000. Or in J.D. Granger's case, $60,000. $60,000. And so what they said was uh, two months later, Stevens made a similar exception for J.D. Granger, executive director of the Panther Island Central City Project. He issued a memo May 13th directing staff to add about 520 of paid time off, I guess hours. Days. Be- days. 520 days of paid time off beyond the maximum amount allowed under the district's policy. And so that adds up to $60,000. Um <laughs> So this is how they're doing it. They're essentially like giving people money. And this is taxpayer dollars. These are all taxpayers. This is our money. Yeah. This is our money. This is what they're doing with our money. Yeah. And so, yeah. So they kind of got caught doing this because the Fort Worth report filed and it like looked to see the numbers. Uh, And they and if I I recommend looking at the article because they got all the emails there. They've got everything there. All the evidence that you need to kind of see what's been going on. Right. And what what happens when you don't pay attention, kids, to your politics. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, like the water district. No one knows, in, us included, anything about this. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Like when we, when the elections were going on, we were like, oh, there's people. How, we don't even know what they do. Like, and we don't have time to cover yeah. it because we're covering everything else. We'll have to do it next time. But like this is this is the, when the people know the less about whatever it is or when people aren't paying attention to that thing. Like that's where the corruption happens the most. And so like, yeah, they're just giving away hundreds. Thankfully, the board stepped in. And because they're breaking this arrangement with this law firm, they also like refuse to like essentially uh, disperse the money. Uh, and so that, that money has been now being taken back, thankfully, hopefully not going to be you know illegally spent or whatever. Yeah, but the bad thing about it is that like, even if they do break ties with this law firm when it comes to like public information requests, that would then make the Texas Attorney General's office the decision maker on whether they have to uh, release that information or not. So it wouldn't be this law firm. It would be uh, Ken Paxton. And, and so, you shouldn't be making decisions over anything. Yeah. Yes. That's not that's not better. That's actually worse. Yeah, it's so much worse. And like I've been thinking a lot about like how like how much we you don't you know. Haven't declared mentally incompetent. Because I feel like we can make a case. I mean, there's definitely a case to be made, like, for sure. But, like, it just sucks because, like, we have, like... I mean, this is why, like, Texas is so fucked, in my opinion, you know? Because, like, we have these, like, corrupt, you know, local government entities. And then we also have, like, a corrupt, like, state government. And so it's, like, we're just, like, trading out this, like, corrupt law firm, you know, from, you know, being the decision maker on, like, digging into finances that, you know, are essentially, like taxpayer funded you know of this board and now you know like this law firm isn't going to be making that decision but now it's going to be Ken Paxton deciding you know like what should or shouldn't be um you know handed out in like public information requests and it's like you know he's obviously not ever going to side like with the public on anything it's all about you know his own personal gain and like 
you know, probably taking bribes from like Kay Granger's son, you know, to not give out the information to the public so that we can actually see what the fuck is happening with our money. You know, it's like, like, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say that like other states don't have, you know, like government corruption because like, you know, corruption is like existent pretty much everywhere and in all levels of government. But like we are in a very unique situation here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It makes me mad. Yeah, it's just yeah. a bad look for us. It's, you know, Fort Worth has already got enough to be embarrassed about. Yeah, but it's just like you're <laughs> going to give this guy, this corrupt dude like $300,000 like worth of like severance pay when after he's already gotten in trouble and you're asking him to step down. Yeah, and you're and you already asked him to step down, but you're going to give him like severance pay like in the amount of $300,000, like that's This man knows stuff, that's why. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I don't know, it's just crazy. That's hush money. That's not that's not severance pay. That is hush money. There's probably a lot more dirt money going around too. Yeah. It's probably not just 300k. And we're never going to know because now Kim Paxton's going to be the one deciding like if we get to find out or not. Like Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be like, "Uh, nah, this is this is just a, a an attempt by the liberal media to make us look bad." Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. We'll need to continue to keep... I mean, this has been in the news for years now with the amount of corruption that's going on. And it's not still very... Just making very much, like, waves or, like, ups, I don't know. I don't know if it's just not getting out into the community. I know people are talking I about it. It's but like people are just, like, confused about, like, the, the water does, board. Yeah. And, like, we can't even really, like, find out, like, the information that we need to know that would make the story, like, I think, like, get more attention or whatever. Yeah. Like. But well, yeah. here we are. We're talking about it now. Hope go tell your friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, tell your friends. And keep keep it keep uh you know keep it on it and we'll certainly do the same. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Shout out to Judith Sanders for hitting us up on Twitter. And she's she sent us this article uh in regards to the name of the title title of the article is The Disappearance of the Keto Bakito Springs, uh tracking hydrologic change with Google Earth Engine. And so it's actually it's like written like an academic paper but it's actually from a publication called Bell Bellingcat which is uh as I was kind of going through it looks like a like investigative journalist type sort of organization they cover international news as well um this was really interesting Amber what did did you guys have a chance to look at this one I know I kind of threw it at you guys like last second did y'all have a chance to see it um, no, I, I literally just pulled it up full disclosure okay that's fine <laughs> that's fine Amber what did you yeah think? I told you I was working on Work my way through the articles in the order that you sent them. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about doing that, guys. But thankfully, <laughs> okay. we, we, we had a listener who, who's, who's listening. Thank you for doing so and shooting us something. We'll definitely, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Amber, what did you, oh, you, here you want, you want the hard copy. All right. Yeah, I like go. to look the hard copy. Um, yeah, I went through this and I, I was pretty, I was really pretty shocked about this. Um, and this is just like kind of adding like a new level of, um, I guess, like, disappointment and distress like in regard to the border wall um and so this article is actually about um like trump's border wall and it's relevant now because um as many of our listeners may already be aware uh greg abbott has uh picked up the the torch uh yeah. or i guess like the baton rather I, i'm gonna make a track reference instead of an olympic <laughs> reference so it seems that trump has like pass the baton off to Abbott um, in regard to the, you know, border wall, which, I mean, we haven't really talked about Trump's border wall in a lot of depth here. Um, all of the research that I have done on it, you know, from like a criminological perspective, um, suggests that 
it's going to be completely ineffective pointless. Um, and pointless Waste in stopping. Yeah. in stopping immigrants. And it's like definitely like more symbolic more than anything. Um, but yeah, that hasn't stopped Greg Abbott from deciding that like this is the hill that he wants to die on now. Um, and so, yeah, so he's wanting to do a border wall. But apparently the construction of the border wall requires a lot of water. Um, and, you know, I just want to say, like, before moving on that, um, you know, like in America, we do things with water and we use water for things that yeah. like people in other countries would never dream of. Like the amount of water that we waste, like in comparison to other countries is insane. Not Yeah. Like in our yards. But like a lot of people might not understand that like fracking oh, uses yeah. loads oh, and yeah. loads and loads of water. And I don't know if, if everybody's aware, but there is a climate crisis going mm -hmm. on. Um, mm -hmm. There are serious issues with drought. Um, mm -hmm. The, even this year, this last week, like there are places in the in the um, northwest that are like having to put like super serious restrictions on water, even more so than the only water your yard every other day. Like we're running out of clean water mm -hmm. um, and we're wasting yep. a lot of it. That's going to be a problem. An up. ongoing problem. And we're wasting a lot of it on bullshit, um, and things that should already like be dead and buried by now, like like fracking, for example. Um, but this article, um, interestingly, is about the use of water um, in border wall construction. And there are uh, there's a natural spring that is uh, it's about Arizona, but it's we'll get to how it relates to our situation. Um, but basically, there's a natural spring um, that has been losing water like way more drastically than environmentalists or scientists um, would have expected. And it's actually like a protected spring. Um, in Arizona. And it came about after doing a lot of investigation that um, there was drilling going on, like, like, like pretty far away from the spring, but they were drilling for groundwater. And the groundwater that was being pulled out of the ground was actually the same coming from like the same like underground spring that um, the natural spring <clears throat> was like it's, it's water source from. So, um, so, yeah, like it's basically like stealing water from this protected area that yeah. wasn't supposed to be, you know, messed with in the first place. And um, what there and there was collusion with the government. It wasn't like they were doing this illegally. And it's they were actually, like, oh, no, like we accidentally stole some water where yeah. we weren't supposed to. Like it, it was like very much like appears to be planned and um, intentional. And so this article kind of just uses a bunch of different data using Google Maps as kind of one of the ways to look at the geography of change over time. Yeah, they use like several different methodological approaches. And for... they just pretty much like rule out, hey, it's not agriculture in Mexico that's causing this. It's not, um, you know, changes in weather or climate. It's the same weather and climate. It's just, oh, they started building the wall. Yeah. Eight miles away from here. Uh, and and there's this you know water well that kind of appears, but the, the they were told that they weren't allowed to drill a well five miles. Uh, let me see if I can find the quote. Uh, although outside the five mile radius imposed by the Department of Homeland Security, uh, this well so it, it was eight miles away, and so the radius was five miles. The well would appear to ignore the U.S. Fishes and Wildlife's apparent conservation recommendations for the border wall, which the recommendations said, do not drill any water wells within five miles to the west and 10 miles to the east. But I want to be clear, a recommendation is just a recommendation. It's not, you're not breaking the law if you don't follow the recommendation. 
Um, so there's no teeth on it. And so when contacted by Bellingcat, um, the essentially uh, CBP, what I want to get the, the what's that, Border Patrol? Customs and Border Protection uh, stated that it had determined in coordination with the National Park Service and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that the use of groundwater would only be restricted to five miles on either side. So even though the initial recommendation said 10 miles, U.S. Fishing and Wildlife and Border Protections and the National Parks all were like, eh, you can have five miles. Five miles is good. So, so they're within, you know, the regulations or whatever, but it's still draining that water. Now, how does that relate to us and what, we, what we're doing in Texas? Well, it doesn't require too much math, right, to figure out, okay, we've got this huge border with right. Mexico. Uh, what, what kind of geography is down there by the border? What, what biome are we in? Uh, it's a desert down there. There's not a lot of water very much anyways. We have underground aquifers here in Texas, kind of all over the state. Those mm. have been filled up over the course of millions and millions of years. It would require millions of years to replenish them. Um, and so if we're over extracting those aquifers, they'll just eventually dry up. And so that's kind of what's happening here in Arizona. And that's what's happening at our border here in Texas as well. If we start building 84,000 gallons a day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just for that one thing. That doesn't, like Amber said, fracking, that doesn't even count all the fracking wells across the country and the amount of the millions and billions of gallons of water that are required to do those drillings. Uh, I actually got, the numbers got me curious. And so I started looking up to see like how much water we use a year in the state of Texas, like how much underground water are we using? Uh, and they used a metric that it was unfamiliar with which was like acres like square acres of water or something and i was like i don't know what that is and so i had to run a like a conversion but essentially it's about 4.4 trillion gallon gallons a year is what the state of texas and of course we're a big state uh is what we use of groundwater and like th that's not counting the you know tens of thousands or millions that will be added onto this by just doing the the border wall that we've been doing or whatever um and so we use for Arizona. So I, I was able to find a number like, well, what was the what's the number for the border wall that was built? And so I was able to find a Guardian article from 2019 where it was 50 million gallons were needed. And that's an estimation for just the little section of the Arizona part of the wall when Trump was building that. So, yeah, it's going to require millions and millions. Yeah. And, and just like the I mean, and even if like it wasn't requiring a lot of water, just like the destruction of landscape and the um, eminent domain of like public property is completely insane. Like one of the articles that I was reading by the Texas Tribune was saying that like, you know, for Abbott's border wall here in Texas, it would essentially be like the greatest like land seizure mm -hmm. that like modern U.S. history has seen. Um, and, that, and it's private property. And I think that like, I, I don't know, like I like whenever Trump's little border wall was like being constructed or whatever, like like I was just seeing like all of these like cacti, like, you know, that are like centuries old, you know, just being bulldozed down, you know, like they're cutting into like some of like the cliffs, you know, like along the Texas border wall. They're like really up, you know, like I, I mean, just destroying, you know, this landscape. And I don't know if it's like, because maybe people don't appreciate a desert landscape as much as they appreciate, you know, like green vegetation um, and or green foliage. But like, I mean, this is the only part of the entire planet that that has a landscape like 
the one that we have here in South Texas yeah. uh, through Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally there's no other place on earth like it. And to see it just being destroyed, you know, um, you know, and obviously it goes like all the way into Mexico, like, but just to like destroy it for a <laughs> useless border wall doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I'm having a hard time like wrapping my mind around it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad because it's not like there's anything we're going to be able to do about this, you know, from up here in Fort Worth or anything, but just hope that we can elect better state officials that will not advocate for something like this. Right. Yeah. But- there's some lawsuits like going against Abbott already, like, um, by property owners, like on, um, in South Texas, um, who are going to be losing quite a bit of like their ranch, you know, to it, yeah, like, it- like blocking them off from like the, the Rio Grande, um, you know, like there's like people who like bought their property like because of the river access. Yeah. You know, and like now they're not going to be able to access the river, I wanna... and it decreases the value of their property. In addition to just stealing a good portion of their land. So like... I'm, yeah, I'm curious. So <laughs> like... I, I have a friend that I went to college with who who runs his family's pecan orchard in El Paso. I haven't spoken to him in 15 years, but I want to kind of hit him up because he was always for border protection. He always talked about how big of a problem it was and how he had to essentially police his land. Uh, and I'm like, I've never been down there at the border. I didn't know. So I always, always, uh, you know, wanted to hear his opinion since he actually was dealing with the problem firsthand. But at the same time, I know as a Republican that he is, he's not for the the government taking his land, <laughs> you know? Nope. Right. Uh, that's not, that's not, not usually not how that goes. Uh, and so here again, it's just another example of Governor Abbott being an authoritarian Governor, yeah, you know, interfering in the personal lives of women with abortion rights. Okay, uh, it, banning and editing history with the you know the critical race theory bill, right? Like that's straight up totalitarian. Um, letting you know, getting on to Austin or Houston and threatening them that hey, if you defund your police, then you guys aren't going to get state money. Um, Telling the legislators and taking the pay away from the Texas legislators before the end of the session a few weeks ago, not letting them get paid. Um, or it's actually not even them, it's their staffers, because technically the, the legislators pay is protected by this Texas Constitution, but their staffers isn't. And so it's like this really screwing the workers down in Austin who, who work in Texas politics for that. Um, do all of those things are authoritarian in some way, a reach of central power, an overreach of central power. And any person on the left who really adheres to, I'm sorry, on the right, anyone who on the right who really adheres to like truly conservative values, um, they don't want the government interfering in their lives. And But that's exactly what Governor Abbott is doing. And here and again, he's advocating for building a wall at the border. And what that means is if you have property on the border, that property is going to be taken from you so we can build this wall. And so that's another thing where like, I'm not surprised there's a little pushback. And I, that's why I want to ask my friend and see what he thinks about this. Like, I know you've talked about how there's a problem, but do you, how do you feel about, are they going to take your land and build the wall? How do you feel about that? You know? And so that it's, it's this big contradiction of the, you know, of the ideology. Like, and that's kind of the thing. A lot of times conservatives don't really adhere (laughs) to the stated principles they just kind of are more self-serving i don't want to paint a broad brush with that but at least the people we've got here and running running our state at the moment i think we can that we can apply that to them yeah i'm i'm trying to find the response from um one of the i think it's like a democratic um state rep from down um in the rio grande valley uh who made like this really awesome response to Greg Abbott taking uh, Trump down there to like make the announcement. Mm-hmm. 
about the border wall. Um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and it was really good. I'm trying to pull it up. If I can find it, I thought I saved it. Um, it's going to take me a moment to find it. Okay. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, I, I was... Little, little waiting room music. I was I was making a signal to keep talking know, while I'm, just, I'm finding it. It's fun to watch you squirm. I'm sorry. Oh God. Um, okay. I quit the podcast. No, no. None Aww. of that. Come on. No, so, so what do you guys... What do y'all think about this? Are y'all surprised by this or? It's so hard to not just like get really sad and not have, you know, we don't, we don't have individual power, you know, Mm -hmm. like in this regard. So it's really hard to not just like be like, oh, well, we're fucked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll see. You've got got people from other states sending people down here for this quote unquote border crisis. Um, I'm not sure they have jurisdiction. What I think should happen is this is, uh, I was reading something about this. This is probably going to lead to a Supreme Court challenge. What I think needs to be the case is if the National Guard under the arrest of the governor sends them to another state, the National Guard should have discretion on whether or not they listen to the governor or the president. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is because think about this. Um, one of the reasons that insurrection on January 6th only in- ended wasn't because, you know, the Capitol police were holding them off. It was because three yeah. other governors were sending the National Guard in to absolutely ruin their day. Yeah. And if and if we fixed it to the where, say, oh, the second they're in another state, it's under the president's fruition, Trump could have just told those same guards to go home. If you give them that discretion... They can tell the president no, just in case you know they end up under a bad POTUS. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so but, this is yeah. Go, go ahead, sorry. But if the president tells, like, if Biden tells him, you know, not to go there, they don't have to. Yeah, it it would certainly propose a you know a problem. There would have to be a decision that made, and this has happened before. Um, maybe maybe since the the example that I'm going to give, but what it makes me think of is the uh, Little Rock desegregation. In 1957, mm-hmm. um, the Arkansas National Guard was called in because nine, I believe it was nine African American children were trying to be enrolled in Little Rock High School. Uh, Little Rock and, Nine. And yeah, and the city lost their friggin' minds uh, and were just threatening. And so the, when the National Guard came in, they were supposed to protect the families and the children, but they didn't. And they actually essentially pointed the guns at, at them and were on the side of all the, the white protesters. Uh, Shocker. And, yeah. And so the president, uh, Eisenhower, had to step in and and nationalize the Arkansas National Guard, essentially, or federalize them, rather. Uh, and so to where they didn't take orders from the governor anymore, they took orders from the president. Uh, and so he ordered them to protect the families and the children. And so that's what they did. But it took like a day for all that to go down and work out. Um, and so like, yeah, it, it something like that could totally happen where troops could be sent and there could be you know some sort of jurisdictionary <laughs> not anymore you're not i'm not in charge anymore you're in charge now south park type stuff where you have another government agency come in and take you know that that certainly could happen that would be really weird and interesting what do you how, what do you think the likelihood of that is thomas like do you think it's going to go down that way or do you think it should go down that way so 
Eisenhower was a different level of intense. Yeah. Press, like the, 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 yeah. I, the biggest problem I have in politics, and I go back and forth, are men who have never been to war or been in the military making war or military decisions mm. because they don't understand the implications of their actions. Eisenhower, if you remember, was also you know the leading commander in World War II. Mm-hmm. The whole so he understood army. how this worked, right? So the National Guard had his respect. He didn't have this quest for power. He knew how to pick the power up and put it down. You know, mm-hmm. he was a lot like Washington. So when he moved, and there's another college incident that I'm not happy with him about. But uh, when he, he did what he did, it was to bring the country forward. And it was to use his authority in an appropriate manner. Mm-hmm. Um, my fear is, say, someone like Trump gets into office and they have that power over the National Guard over governors. He's at 100% going to abuse his power. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, the reason, the whole reason he picked William Barr was uh, because William Barr was a very, very big proponent of, I'm trying to get this right, the Executive Authority Clause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Basically, basically who he's believed that that this clause gives the president the ability to do literally whatever he wanted yeah and so he he got william Barr to to go along with that that was the whole reason he picked him so what do you think under a biden presidency like do you think so okay let's lay let's let's lay this and then we'll wrap up with this we're getting close to i found the thing oh you did okay so let's go back to amber's amber's thing okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it back to to Abbott's border wall. Um, and so I think it was like last week or the week before that, um, I, I guess like around the, the 30th, um, I guess about a week ago, um, Abbott decided to invite President Trump to um, the Rio Grande Valley to make an announcement about about continuing the wall. Um, and there's a state congressman down there named uh, Vicente Gonzalez. Um, and he said about the trip, he said, Inviting the former president who incited the January 6th insurrection is an effort in an effort to overthrow the government and prevent the peaceful transition of power is nothing short of a slap in the face to South Texans and wasting taxpayer dollars to promote the construction of a border wall instead of correcting the failed electrical grid is is bad of leadership that is further putting Texans lives at risk. Instead of coming down to try and divide people by misrepresenting the border community on the national stage, I urge the governor, Abbott, to work together to enact meaningful policy solutions that will bring um, real border security. In order for us to stem mass migration, we must look at the three Central American countries people are coming from and make surgical investments that will provide jobs, security, and prosperity to encourage migrants to stay home. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would make more sense. The reason I think Abbott is doing it is because I think Abbott intends to run for president in 2024. Yeah. And I think that this is him trying to say, please, Donald Trump, would you give me your base and I can run in your place for president in 2024 because we all know that your brain is melting and you're not going to make it that far. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what, that's what I think this is about because as, as he's going to get VP, he won't get president. Abbott. Yeah. Here's the thing. Trump, Trump's hubris is big enough to where he's going to try to run and he's got enough sway to to where people are going to back him. So he'll probably, he's, 
I'm pretty sure he's making a 2024 run. Okay. I'm pretty I, sure he's going to die before then. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say hopefully still alive, or not, he's but, going for like, it. I mean, I, I mean, maybe, but like, I think that, but I think this is what I, I guess like the, the main point I'm making is like, I think this is a tactical decision on, on Abbott's behalf and him like trying to lay a groundwork for him to make a, a bigger run mm-hmm. later on and move up like the, up the level of, of government because like. This is 100% pandering. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and the main thing, the main reason I say that is because like, even as as you know like foolish as i think that republicans are like in you know in in the whole like fight towards immigration or whatever like and even as like racist as they are and you know like you know american exceptionalist and you know so on and so forth like the data does not bear out that this government this border wall is going to make any sort of impact on immigration and so like even they know that you know what i mean like like this is purely a symbolic gesture and 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 it's going to be completely useless and ineffective and i know that they know that it's yeah. just them trying to like rile something up and rile up their base and yeah. gain more support also, from abbott, racists abbott is barely being matthew mcconaughey <laughs> in the polls right now <laughs> and he hasn't even announced yet um yeah, and abbott's been thinking since he started this identity politics yeah. that's why he's been doing all this so much it's it's damage control yeah, but he's like doubling down on it though, like which is so stupid in my opinion. But I, whatever. I just want to real quick, just kind of since we're talking about that, the real solution to the, the if if we say we have an immigration problem, which that's debatable, um, True. is in the war on drugs. Then that way the cartels aren't controlling large swaths of Mexico um, with the product that is no longer, you know, they're not gonna be able to make the profits off of intercountry and also quit intervening in central and South America and murdering leaders and setting, you know, uh, funding rebels to overthrow certain governments that elect socialist leaders or whatever, like quit going into Guatemala and Nicaragua and Costa Rica and Colombia, uh, and Chile quit doing that stuff. Not that Chile people from Chile are necessarily coming here, but my point being is like, we, if we stop, our U.S. imperialism activities in Central and South America, then people won't be displaced because of violence and warfare. Um, that's the only reason people are leaving. They're leaving because there are violent situations in their country, depending on what country you're talking about. That were largely caused by us. That were caused by us, caused by either our that government our going in there, or if you want to use MS-13 as the example, that the right loves to point at MS-13. That was created in our prison system. And then we essentially sent them back home and they took over their country. Had we have not have locked these people up in the first place because of the drug war, uh, that they wouldn't exist as an organization. That was something that was fostered in the U.S. prison system, created by the U.S. prison system, and then deported out and placed back home. Like, even bigger is, like, the issue of, like, acquiring resources from these countries. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like... Banana Republic. Yeah, like, that's you know, that's one the, example, but, I mean, there's a lot of contemporary examples. Well, I'm just meaning, well, I, the, not the company, but, like, the the, the term. Well, yeah, you know, I, like, yeah, I know, yeah. And some and that all, all the amount of exploitation that is happening from these places because of the, you know, hegemonic U.S. empire uh, and just us exploiting these these people in these places for resources, you know, leads to conditions where, uh, you know, the, the instability uh, and there's other reasons too. we're not going to get into that because that's not what this podcast is about. But, yeah, I just wanted to since we're talking about the border wall, we're talking about if this is a problem, the government's solution to the, the, the governor, his solution to the problem is building a wall. I'm just saying, hey, there's other things we can do besides building a wall that would affect this problem if that's a problem that you're concerned about. So anybody else have anything you want to close close this out with? Any new stories you want to throw at us real, real fast? 
<laughs> real fast. I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah, no, that was a lot to, to talk about. There are lots of things to be aware of and to keep an eye on and to, yep. you know. So we'll we'll come back to some of these the when you know when when, when stuff comes back. There was there was other stories we actually wanted to get to this week. We'll we'll talk about them next week because they aren't as time uh, sensitive. But thank you very much to all of you listeners out there for sticking with us. Feel free to and thank you to Judith for sending us up that, that story. We appreciate it. Uh, feel free to again hit us up on Twitter uh, at FW Review if you want to send us stories to cover. We'll certainly do that. Um, also feel free to email us at. Uh, Oh no, Fort Worth Freedom Review <laughs> at gmail.com. There we go. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs> Amber's waving. <laughs>